Thanks for listening to the Create Church podcast. We're located in Boise, Idaho, but wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you and empowers you to take a step towards living a life fully devoted to following Jesus. You can find your seats. Come on, you guys doing good this morning? Good, I'm so glad that you're here. Hey, before we get started, let me, let me just ask you a question, church. What is purpose? What, what is purpose? Like, like, when you really think about it, let's get down to it. What is purpose? Like, a simple Google search will pull it up for us, right? Let me, let me read what Google thinks purpose is. Google says, purpose is the reason for which something is done or created. The reason for which something exists. That's our, di- our dictionary definition of purpose. But this is a question that I think uh, we've all found ourselves at one time or another in life asking. This simple, simple question of why do I exist? Anyone ever ask that question? Why do I exist? We've all been there in all times. This is a question I really think lingers in the heart of everyone who walks the face of this planet. Why do I exist? We all want to know why I exist. We all want to know what am I ultimately called to do. We all want to know what is my purpose. And so today we're going to get ready to dive into some scripture. But uh, before we even get to that, my name is Landon Hargrove. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, if you're joining us for the first time, we're in the middle of a a series called Creating an Oasis. And we're talking through uh, some of the changes that are coming to the church. And one of them is that the name is changing to Oasis City Church. So if you're coming in for the first time, you'll see the Create sign out front. We are on February 19th officially launching as Oasis City Church. And we're so honored to be here in the city of Boise. We love this city. Everyone in this room loves this city. We're all a part of it. Uh, But we're going to talk today about purpose. And everyone in this room, there's two things that I want us to know about today. Uh, These two things are this, that we're all invited to purpose. Everyone's invited to purpose. And then I want to talk about how we collectively as the church, anyone who would call themselves a Christian, someone who would say that, hey, that's me, I identify as a Christian, I, I follow Jesus. What we as Christians are called, what is our collective purpose. And if you're not a Christian, you're just in here checking it out. Maybe you drove by Fairview and you just decided to pull in and see what all the cars were doing. Or maybe you saw an Instagram ad like Brooke had mentioned earlier. Or maybe you just walked in because a friend invited you. Whatever it is, if you're just searching, checking out this Jesus thing, man, we are so honored you're here. We're so excited. It's okay to have doubts. It's okay to be exploring. We're so glad you're in the room and we hope we can just present to you a compelling reason why we all follow Jesus in this room. And we'd love to talk to you about that. So we're going to talk about purpose. God has invited you to purpose. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you so much for just who you are. We thank you that you're in the room. God, I thank you for your presence. And God, I pray in this message, whatever's of me would fall away. Whatever's born of your spirit, God, would it resonate in our hearts, our souls, our minds. God, may it not go in one ear and out another, but may may it change us, Lord, from the inside out. God, we love you. We honor you. And we just collectively say you are good. You are good. You are worthy of our worship. You're worthy of our praise and our adoration. In Jesus' name, come on. You love God. Say amen. 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 So I don't know if you're like me, but I love being invited to things. Being invited to things is probably one of my top things that I like. Like when people, like for example, 
If you send me an email invitation to your barbecue, okay, fam, I'm there, okay, like, I'm coming, okay, you can invite me to like your business on Facebook, and I'm going to be excited, okay, I love being invited to things, I, I just, it's something about it, like opening up a wedding invitation in the mail, and it's like, man, join us on, you know, June 17th for the wedding of, I'm just like, man, I love cake, like, I love people, like, let's go, I get to dance, I get to be around people, I get to make new friends, like, I'm an extrovert, okay, like, if you can't already tell, I really like people. And I like having fun, and I like being around people. But, but it's one of those things where I love invitations, but my favorite kind of invitation is the kind where someone will walk up to you and give you a personal invitation. Anybody with me? Personal invitations are so much better than an email or a Facebook or a calendar invite, okay? A personal invitation. I love it, especially when it's to something exclusive, something that's maybe special, something that's out of the ordinary. And it, and it feels like when they invite you, they're like, hey, this is an invite only party. And you're like, ha, 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 look at me. Look at me getting invited. And you're just kind of like feeling that it's like that serotonin hit. Like, oh, that feels good to me, right? And then my introverts in the room, you're all freaking out right now. You're like, no, let's just go ahead, quarantine round two. Let's shut this country back down, okay? I'm ready for that. Like, it's funny because I married an introvert, so we're very opposite on that. Like, she gets recharged by, like, being by herself. She would go to a movie by herself. I'm like, that's weird. You need to, like, see a psychologist. Are you going, you know, but, but no, like, I'm over here, like, I want to be like, I'm like, hey, Laramie, let's go hang out. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Carol, let's go. Let's go get together. Let's have a party. Let's go to Alex's house, right? And we're all excited. I'm like, let's get to get those people together. I'm just like so pumped to be around people. But my introverts are all in here and you're like, just never invite me to anything, Pastor Lane. Like, please, never. I, I won't, okay? No, I'm just kidding. I totally will. <laughs> How about I invite you one-on-one, -on -one? okay, introverts? Everyone said, yes, please. <laughs> and we'll do one-on-ones. But I love to get invited to things. And, and I don't know if you've ever been around uh, the people that would maybe give you an invitation that's maybe not quite as glamorous. Anyone ever had an invitation that you aren't quite as fond of? Maybe you're like me and you love being invited to things, but there's one invitation that none of us like. Anyone kind of know where I'm going with this? It's when a friend comes up to you, your best friend, says, hey, man, I uh, wanted to invite you over to my house on Saturday. And you're like, before they even finish their sentence, you're like, I'm in. Let's go. We're going, to, we're going over to Brian's house. It's going to be awesome. Like football, we'll eat some wings. We'll, have a, we'll play, you know, cornhole in the backyard. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. And then they finish their sentence. They're like, hey, I want to invite you to my house on Saturday to help me move. And immediately you're like, I don't know if you're like me, but this is what happens in my brain when that happens. It's like my, my sirens start going off, you know. It's like, it's like, hey, hey, someone called the prefrontal cortex. We need a lie now. Just a white lie, but a lie. And, you know, and it's like, you know, my brain starts like, but I skipped breakfast, of course, that day. So my brain's not firing on all eight cylinders. And I'm struggling. And I'm kind of like, before I could even like fully grasp what's happening and the question that was asked, I'm like, I don't think I'm doing anything. You feel instantly the remorse, the regret as the words roll off of your tongue. And you're like, come back. But it's too late. Okay, like you, you've already said it. You're already out there. And so he's like, man, it's like no big deal. We just got some oak furniture. You know, we, we got some mahogany. We got some dogwood. Okay. We got some exercise equipment, a treadmill. There's a gun safe we're going to carry from the basement to the third store. It's going to be awesome. Like your back starts hurting in anticipation of the day. Like it's, it hasn't even happened yet. And you're walking around the house. Your wife's like, honey, what's wrong? You're like, helping Brian move on Saturday. And you're just like already feeling the pain that's inevitably coming to your body, right? And so you're just sitting there. You're just like, man, someone cough on me. 
<laughs> like, like I need to be sick. I need something to happen. I need something to get me out of this thing. You see, you were invited to something, but the invitation was not glamorous. The invitation was not glamorous. The invite did not look the way you thought it was going to look. You see, as I was studying for this message and preparing, I really felt the Lord lead me to 1 Samuel, specifically to the story of David to introduce this idea of being invited to purpose. And perhaps you're familiar with the story of David. Maybe you grew up like my wife in church. Maybe you're a church kid. Maybe you slept under the pews. Maybe you're that kid who's like, I know the Bible inside, outside, backwards, upside down, and in Hebrew. Okay? Like, that might be you. Or maybe you're like me, and you grew up a heathen. Okay? <laughs> like, you know, you were in high school with fake ID. We, we could be friends. Right? And, uh, Maybe you were like me and you don't know the story of David. You're not as familiar with it. Maybe you kind of understand generally the concept of it, but you've never really dug into the story. If that's you, that's totally okay. I'm going to break down some context today. We're going to talk about uh, what's going on around this story, and then we'll specifically dive into a few passages of Scripture. Does that sound good? Awesome, awesome. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, if, you, if that's you, you're not sure uh, about this whole Jesus thing yet, we're just glad you're here, and we're going we're gonna to walk with you through this. So let me just give you some context. So Israel had a king at one time named Saul. Now Saul was uh, someone who looked like a king. The first part of his reign, he, he seemed to be doing a pretty decent job. He, he looked like a king. He acted like a king early on. But as his uh, uh, reign continued, Saul ended up disobeying and dishonoring God. And so at the end of his reign, he, he was not really following the Lord the way uh, that he was, should have been following God. And so uh, he, he, there was this character, right? So Saul was the king, but there was this character, this prophet named Samuel. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the term prophet, let me just help you. A prophet was someone who, who heard and spoke on behalf of God to Israel. So it was like this person would receive revelation from God, and they would communicate uh, this revelation to the people. And so this prophet Samuel uh, uh, comes, and, and, and God commissions him. He says, hey, Saul's gone. Like, we're getting rid of Saul. Okay, like, he's, he's, he's disobeying me. We're going to install a new king. And so I, I need you to go and commission the next king of Israel. And so he specifically says, I'm going to send you to a specific place, a specific person. And he says, I want you to go to a place called Bethlehem. Now, anyone familiar with that place? Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Bethlehem. And I think that sounds familiar to all of us. But he says this, I want you to go to the house of Jesse, to the house of Jesse. Now, when you get there, I want you to bring out his sons. And one of his sons, you're going to anoint uh, with oil as symbolically stating this is the next king of Israel. This was not only symbolic, but spiritual. And so he goes and he shows up at Jesse's house and he shares, hey, I'm here to anoint the next king of Israel. Again, Jesse is probably feeling pretty happy right now. He's like, cha-ching, like, what's up? He's like, I'm, I'm going to be the king's dad. Does that make me like grand king? I don't know. Like he's, he's probably really excited in this moment as they show up. Uh, but he starts parading his sons in front of the prophet. Son after son. No, is it this one God? No, not that one. Well, this guy looks like a king, man. He's got the demeanor, the strength. He's got the, the chin that goes like this. You know what I mean? Like he looks like a king, but he, see, see, while many of Jesse's sons looked like kings, they didn't have the heart of a king. And so what happens is they, they pass by the prophet and, 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 you know, Samuel gets a little frustrated because he's like, man, I know God sent me here, but it's none of these guys. God has not anointed, has not called these guys. Don't you have any other sons? And Jesse's like, well, you know, I mean, there's that kid out in the field. There's like that ruddy little redhead kid. Like, you want me to get him? <laughs> and so he tells him there was one more. He's the shepherd boy. He's taking care of sheep. And something about that made Samuel's spirit leap. So he says, hey, call the boy. They call him forward. And now David is there standing before Jesse. And God says, that's the one. That's the one with the heart of a king. 
And so, so he begins to take him forward and anoint him with oil amidst his brothers. Like, just hold up for a second in the story, though. Can you imagine the validation that David would have felt? To, 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 to be standing in front of the prophet of Israel, to be standing amongst his brothers and his father when his father didn't even call him into the room. He's a shepherd boy taking care of sheep that wasn't even invited into the room. And now he's standing before his father. He's standing amongst his brothers and he's being anointed as the next king of Israel. Can you imagine the validation? Can you imagine how that felt for David? It must have been incredible. I can really only imagine the feeling of purpose that he probably felt. But the next day, the next day, you know, David, he was anointed king. But the next day, he didn't end up in a palace. He was right back out in the pasture, right where he was before. He had no scepter, just a shepherd's staff. He was surrounded by sheep instead of servants and wheat instead of wine. And the only thing that was golden was the sunset and the sunrise. That's it. There was no palace, just a pasture. You see, he had been anointed to be king, but it had not yet been time for him to be appointed as king. It would be years before that would happen, but watch this. He remained faithful and humble in that season so that he, he became so rooted in his identity and his relationship with God in the pasture that he did not wither when he got to the palace. And so watch this. We're going to jump to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to be in verse 17 through 20, and I'm reading out of the NLT version today. If you want to follow along, open your Bible up. If you have a digital Bible, turn it on. Scroll with me in the YouVersion app. Highlight this. Underline it. It's good. 1 Samuel 17, 17 through 20 says this. One day Jesse said to David, take this basket of roasted grain and about 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. And give these 10 cuts of cheese to their captains and see how your brothers are getting along. And bring back a report of how they're doing. David's brothers were with Saul in the Israelite army at the Valley of Allah fighting against the Philistines. So David, watch this, left the sheep with another shepherd. I wish we had time to preach because that's an entire another message about stewardship. David left the sheep with another shepherd, and he set out early the next morning with gifts. And so he took these gifts as Jesse had directed him, and he arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Now, likely, this is the point of the story that you actually start to recognize whether or not you really grew up in church. This is the point of the story that we all have heard about. This is the fight between David and Goliath. Whether or not you grew up in church, all of us, even sports analogies, we all draw symbolism from this idea of David and Goliath, correct? Like you've heard the term of David and Goliath, the idea of an underdog facing an impossible obstacle uh, or an impassable uh, kind of valley. And it's like this idea of, you know, you got to slay your Goliath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, We'll talk a little bit about that. But it, it's this story that we all draw symbolism from, whether or not you grew up in church. And this is that moment where you see David show up and he hears Goliath, this giant behemoth of a man, taunting the Israelite army, literally cursing at God. Like cursing at the Israelites, making fun of God. And David is sitting here when no one else stood up, when no one else would do what is right, when no one was brave enough to stand up to this symbol of the Philistines' strength. David stood up, and David did what was right. Now, now, there's so much more here that I would really love to just preach on, but like I said, I don't have time to get into this part of the story today. We will in the future. But David, you know the story, takes the smooth stones. He takes his sling, just like he had practiced on lions and bears defending his flock. He says, no, 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 no. 
He's not going to talk about my God that way. And David takes the stone, the sling and the stone, and, and he goes up against this giant, this defying living God, that's spewing these curses against Israel. And he slings this stone, and he sinks it into the forehead of Goliath, knocking this giant down, runs over, takes the dude's sword, and decapitates him. This is gruesome. Okay, David was like, I don't want to mess with that kind of shepherd. <laughs> I've met a lot of farmers, and they're usually nice, sweet old men, okay, that let you ride on the John Deere tractor. <laughs> like, David wasn't like that, okay? David was a warrior. David, David was awesome. He just knew that if God was with me then, with the lions and the bears, then he will be with me now. Like, he threw that stone with, like, pinpoint sub-MOA accuracy, okay? Like, this dude knows how to sling a stone. But this this giant falls and this is like where we get excited right we want to preach on like come on you could take down your giants and like we we get excited about this portion of the story which is cool like that's that's awesome like yeah this is a, a really powerful and significant moment but let me tell you why because it's not so much that the giant fell it's what happens because the giant falls see see David was led into his purpose because the giant fell the giant falling was was not David's purpose no no the giant falling led him into his purpose. Just imagine with me for a moment. Watch, in this scripture we read just moments ago, we see that David was invited. But the invitation was not a glamorous invitation, right? Like it's, it's, it's him saying, hey, it's an invitation from his dad to bring sandwiches and lunch to the brothers on the battlefield. But just imagine with me for a moment. What if pride would have taken a hold of David's soul in this moment? What if David would have responded to his father with a heart posture that said, Dad, don't, you heard the prophet? I was anointed to be king. I'm not Uber Eats. I'm not a door dasher. Send one of the other servants. I'm going to be king. Imagine with me that David would have had that kind of heart posture when his father approached him. Imagine if pride would have taken that kind of hold on him. He would have never served his brothers, which would have never put him in the place where he was able to slay Goliath, which is what put him on the map, friends, which is what placed favor on him with the king so he could go from the pasture to the palace and ultimately to the fulfillment of his purpose. And you see it was because of humility. It was because of serving. Serving his brothers lunch. You see, sometimes, friends, being invited to purpose, it looks like being invited to serve. Sometimes being invited to purpose looks like being invited to serve. So when one of our amazing Oasis Kids coordinators shows up, if Courtney comes and approaches you, if Grace comes and talks to you about the littles and tells you, hey, I think you'd be awesome with the kids. I would love to, to talk to you about our team. Can I just tell you, like, it's not always going to be glamorous, Changing diapers in the nursery is not glamorous. Listen, I have three children. I can speak from experience. It does not always smell good. It's not always a pretty scenario. But it's sacred. And it's full of purpose. It's full of purpose. Listen, getting a dodgeball hurled at your head by a fourth grader is not always glamorous. Leading a second grade small group and trying to help, you know, kind of help them get this lesson and develop this biblical worldview as they're pulling each other's hair out and wrestling, okay? It's not always glamorous, but it's sacred and it's purposeful. And like there's so many things like showing up in the morning and setting up our signs and our banners and, and making coffee and setting this place up and making sure the kids' rooms are just right. And, and, and as you walk in, you see everything that's set up the way it is and the worship team. Like it's not always glamorous to show up early. But it's purposeful. 
Like the worship team may look glamorous up here. They look good, don't they? They're up here like, whoa, jamming, and they got the lights and the smoke. That looks glamorous, but you know what's not glamorous is that Thursday nights every single week that they sacrifice to come here and so they can play excellently, not just for you, but for God, and to make sure that they're using their gifts and, and sharpening them and preparing this place with prayer so that when you walk in on a Sunday morning, you're not walking into an empty space. You're not walking into a place that's been prayed over, a seat that's been prayed over, so that you could have an opportunity to encounter God in this space and connect with people that also love and care about you <laughs> and that follow God. It's an opportunity for all of us. Listen, the worship team gets here at like 6 o'clock in the morning, okay? They're showing up early. They're running cables. Production team's making sure everything's set up for live stream so all of you online can watch right now. They're, they're coming in to make sure that all of this is set up so that we can come in and just enjoy and get our cup of coffee and listen to a 30-minute message, right? And so we get into this opportunity where we feel like, man, it looks glamorous, but it's not always glamorous. Laramie, is it glamorous? Not all the time, right? <laughs> But it's so purposeful. Everything that we do here, every moment, everything you see happening, every person serving, they all play a piece of the puzzle. They're all a part of what's happening here. Helping somebody to encounter Jesus. Helping somebody to come and follow him. Helping somebody to find their purpose. That is our purpose. To help others find their purpose. Listen, that, friends, is how we're going to create an oasis for the city of Boise. That's how we're going to do it by helping people find their purpose. So to be clear, Oasis City Church exists so that every person in the valley would have a place where they can come and encounter Jesus, a place where they can be encouraged, equipped, and empowered to live a life fully devoted to following Jesus. That's why we're here. So when a leader from our team comes and asks you to serve and invites you to serve, you may think you're just being invited to serve on a team, but you're being invited to purpose. You're being invited to purpose, both to find yours and to help others discover theirs. And you might say, well, Pastor Landon, no one's invited me to serve yet. Cool, I'm going to be the first one right now. <laughs> I want to invite you to serve on our team. I, I want you to, you know, one of the values of our church is that we're contributors and not consumers. I, I want you to do more than show up on a Sunday morning and just hang out. I want you to use your gifts because guess what? God has gifted you, friends. And you may be saying, no, I don't think God gave me any gifts. No, no, he gave you a gifts. He made you just as you are. Listen, you're not perfect, but he made you perfectly. Does that make sense? You're not perfect, but, but he made you perfectly. You're not a mistake. You have giftings, you have calling, you have purpose on your life, and God wants to use it, develop it, and help you to reach your full potential, to serve people for Jesus, to be a neighbor, to love people, to point people back to him, to make him known. You have purpose on your life. And I promise you, friends, life is so much bigger so much better when you realize that it's bigger than you, when it's bigger than just being about you. And once we launch Oasis City officially on February 19th, we're going to have a class called Belong. And this is a class where if you come in for the first time, you're new and you want to learn about how to get involved, you can jump into Belong and learn about our vision, our values, who we are, our culture, and what we're trying to create here in the city, how you can use those gifts. And, and we can help you plug into different teams. And, and you may be saying, I'm an introvert, an extrovert. We got places for both of you, okay? We can put introverts out like in, in the in production suite, right? And we can do intro, you know, but here's the deal. We got some extroverts in our production suite. <laughs> like we got all kinds of people that can serve in all kinds of different areas. And if you're an introvert that's like, man, I don't like being around tons of people, but I'll connect one-on-one, -on -one. you actually may be great at next steps. You may be great at the front counter where you can just individually connect with one person and hear their story, learn about them, how they got here, where they've been in life, and walk them through the next step of following Jesus. 
We have a place, though, for you, no matter what your background is, what your personality is. And as you serve, watch as you discover your purpose. And so after service today, stop by the Next Steps counter and meet Jackie. Go talk to any of our team that's serving. Talk to the worship team. Talk to us. We'd love to talk to you about where you can fit in serving. But God has a plan for your life. Hebrews 12.2 says this. It says that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. And I think sometimes that we think that we're not gifted. We think that we have, we don't really have a purpose. We, we, maybe we go through a hard chapter of life. Can I just tell you, just because you went through a hard chapter doesn't mean the whole book's bad. Like, don't, don't throw out the whole book. Don't write it off because it's bad. You have a good author who is writing your story. And if we keep our eyes fixed on him, I'm letting you know it's going to turn out good. God's going to use it for his glory. So don't write off the whole thing. I used to tell this to my students all the time when they were struggling with their purpose or feeling like they didn't have gifts. And they didn't. I always said, hey, do this. Put your fingers right here for your pulse. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. I used to tell my students that all the time. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. It's just one of those things that helps you just get a reminder. It's kind of a reset when you feel like, oh, man, I just don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. You have a purpose, friends. Someone say purpose. So now that we've been invited to purpose, we understand that we've been invited to purpose. I want to read one more key scripture today out of John 17. And this is a prayer that Jesus prays. In John 17, verses 1 through 8, and in verse, then we'll skip to verse 20. And it says this in John 17. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you've given glory to him. Come on, praise God for the kids having fun. Aren't you grateful that we're a next generation church that cares about the kids and the youth? Come on. You should be excited about that, that, that we're reaching the next generation and building them up to follow Jesus. That's exciting to me. I love to hear the kids scream. Next time we're going to show, show them how they don't scream. All right, cool. <laughs> Let me go to verse 2 as we'll start there. For you have given authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one that you've given him. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you the only true God in Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. And now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. For I have passed on to them the message that you gave me. They accepted it and know that it came from you, and they believe you sent me. Skip down to verse 20. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray they will be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And they may be in us, so the world will believe that you sent me. As I read this incredible passage of scripture, and I meditated on the story of David, what I saw was a, a, a kind of two sides of the same coin, a connection, if you will, between the two passages that I really think kind of go hand in hand. And so, so I want to detail just this for you. You have been invited to purpose. We see that in David's story. But I think you find the idea of your purpose buried within this text in John. And so I want to show you what I have pulled out between these stories, between meditating on the story of David and this John 17 passage. Number one, write this down, your purpose is to know God. It's to know Jesus. It's just to have a relationship with him. That, that is your purpose. Your purpose is to know God. And number two, your purpose is to make him known. It's to know God. It's to make him known. 
That's it. That, that's, that's, it's your purpose. It's why we exist. It's to know God, have a relationship with him. And it's to make him known, to help other people have a relationship with him. So, like, let's just talk about this. What does it mean to know God? Let me just paint you a picture. Okay, I love coffee. I've always been a coffee guy. I'm a coffee snob, a coffee connoisseur. Kyle's nodding. He's like, yes, thank you. Hey, by the way, quick pause. We just contracted Stackrock Coffee, a local roastery, a small business, to deliver fresh coffee here every week. It starts in just a couple weeks. Someone praise God for good coffee. Who's ready for an upgrade? <laughs> I'm ready. It's going to be awesome. I'm super excited about it. But I love, I'll, I'll spend a couple extra dollars to get a, a better coffee. Like, I will have coffee less often to have better cups. Okay, like we, we took some of my friends that are in town, they're actually here in the room today. We took them downtown and went to Slow by Slow. Slowest coffee in Boise, but the best. Okay, like you get great coffee, but it's going to take you 45 minutes to get a pour over. And uh, it's like I like to go to the district. I like to go to form and function. I like to go to push and pour. Where's my push and pour people at? Push and pour is the spot. And then we just get your coffee, you walk the green belt. Come on, that's the most Boise thing ever right there. And... Um, and so we love going down, and I'm just like a coffee snob, and like any good coffee snob, I have certain shops that I frequent, right? When I was in uh, Colorado, I used to know all the baristas' names. I'm still learning them here, but I used to know all the baristas, and I would be like, man, like, what's up, John? Like, what? We'd have this, like, conversation, right? And it's like, I usually know a little bit about them. I know, like, the kind of coffee they recommend, like, whether they recommend, like, a bourbon caramel latte or an Americano. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I know generally a little bit about them, but I don't actually know them, right? Now, my wife, on the other hand, like, like, I know my wife. Like, I know a ton about her. I know what she loves. I know what she hates. I know what scares her. And I'll tell you some stories sometime about scaring her. <laughs> but I know a lot about my wife, but it took time. It took intentionality. Like, I didn't just come up with these things overnight. Like, I know her pet peeves. I know her favorite movies. I know her favorite colors. I, I know when she's not feeling well. I know with just a look if she wants to leave a room. Husbands can attest to this. You know that look your wife gives you, and you're like, it's time to go. Time to go. We got to roll. Ah, kids, got to get into bed. You know, whatever it is. Or, or husbands, how about the look? You know what I'm saying? Like, the, the look. And you're like, hey, hey, I got to go. It's like, see, you know, like, that's the kind of look that I really like. But, but I like all the looks. I like all your looks, though. They're all pretty, baby. All, every look. But, um, but that's the one I like the most. And, but it took investment. It took time. It took sacrifice. Like, I didn't just come up with this. Can you imagine if I treated my wife the same way that I would treat uh, uh, the barista? It's like, uh, hey, you know, for, like, think about this. Baristas are a transactional relationship, right? I'm going to give John $5. John's going to give me a latte. I'm going to go, thanks, John. See you next time, right? And I'm, I'm just like, that's a, it's a quick transaction. What if I walked home and said, here's a paycheck. Did you do the laundry? Did you make me dinner? All right, cool. She won't be my wife that long. <laughs> like, like you can't have a transactional relationship. But, but what's crazy is so often when it comes to God, we do the same thing. We have this transactional relationship with God. When God did, we were never meant to have a transaction with God. We were meant to have a real, authentic relationship. A lot of times we think that, man, it's like, hey, hey, God, if you let my kids sleep through the night, I will do the whole Bible plan this year. And I won't, I, God, I... I promise I won't skip Leviticus this time. Uh, most, I won't skip most of it. I won't skip, you know what I mean? Like, or, or like, God, I will show up to church every Sunday if you give me this promotion, right? We get in trouble. We have these moments. We have these needs. And we come to God and we have this transactional moment. And then we kind of peace out until the next time that we need something. And, and we just are having these transactions with God. But you're not meant to be transactional. You're meant to be relational. 
And if you're going to be relational, you have to be conversational. I know, forgive me for the rhymes. Okay, I know it's cheesy. But you have to be conversational. Like I have to be conversational with my wife. I have to sacrifice things that I want to do for things that she wants to do because it teaches me things about her. I have to take time and intentionality. I have to develop a relationship. It's the same with God. We, we have to develop a relationship with God. We have to lay down our own wants. Not my will, but your will be done, God. It's laying down these things and sacrificing so that we can know him. Listen, it's really hard to communicate the heart of God if you haven't spent time getting to know the heart of God. How are we going to make him known? How are we going to share who he is if we don't take time to actually to know him? To know him. Listen, this isn't a works thing. This isn't like me trying to guilt trip you. This is an invitation. God wants to spend time with you, church. He wants to know you. He wants to know you intimately. He loves it. And listen, I know you have requests. I know you have needs. I know you got things going on in your life and you need help with them. But can I tell you something? He'll help with that. But there's this really powerful verse in Matthew 6, It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. In other words, if you spend time with God, worshiping him, praying, if you're seeking first the things of God and the things of the kingdom, watch how life begins to work itself out. Watch as you follow after God and you, and you let him be a light to your path. Watch how many missteps you're not taking anymore as your path is lit and you're not stumbling through the dark on your own. It's amazing to see. Number two, make him known. Make him known. What does it mean to make him known? I believe making him known is living out the culture of heaven on earth. I think it's actually doing what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, when he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I think it's actually doing that. I think it's honoring our cashier at Fred Meyer when we're checking out. It's, it's, it's not just, hey, you know how many hundreds of people pass through those cashiers every single day? You know how many people come through there and never give a care really truly about how their day is going? It's like, hey, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine. If they're a means to an end to get out the door and get your kids back in the car. Why don't you try stopping and truly asking, man, it seems busy in here. Are you doing okay? Man, how's this like holiday season? It's been crazy, right? Actually take interest in their life. See the purpose in the, that God has instilled on the inside of them. Start calling it out. Watch as it changes the interactions that you have with people when you genuinely take interest and care. It, it's picking up trash in the parking lot when you see it. I'm not talking about just here. Here's great. Please do. <laughs> we have a lot sometimes. But it's more than that. It's every place you go. It's your workplace. It's the grocery store. It's in your neighborhood. It's when you see it, pick it up. When you see a cart, please don't leave your cart in the parking spot. Bring it back to the spot where it goes. Honor people, okay? <laughs> My gosh, right? And it's just, it's, it's these things that seem small, it's, but it's serving people. It's pushing past our own insecurities and actually inviting someone to church. What do you have to lose? Like, like push past your insecurities. So what if they say no? So what if it makes you uncomfortable? You have nothing to lose, but they have everything to gain. They have a savior to gain. They have joy to gain. They have peace to gain. They have a church family to gain. There's community to gain. There is so much to gain, but you have nothing to lose. So what if you're uncomfortable? Push past your insecurities. Temporary discomfort for eternal comfort for them from an invitation. I think it's forgiving the person who thinks that you'll never forgive them. We all have somebody like that in our lives. Maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's someone you don't even know, but they did something awful to you. It's even forgiving them. It's forgiving the person that thinks you would never extend forgiveness. That is living the culture of heaven. Like I said earlier, you may be the person today who's in here just checking this thing out. 
maybe you're the person who's in here and you're like, man, I don't know about this whole Jesus thing. Still figuring it out, still exploring. I am here because I want to know what my purpose is. That's why I came in here. It's like I heard you're all church, supposed to be about that stuff. Hey, I'm so, so glad you're here. So, so thankful. And what I'd like to do in these next few moments is I would like to take this opportunity to make him known to you. If you don't call yourself a Christian, if you'd say, man, I don't know, can I just take these next few moments and make him known to you? Because I want you to realize he loves you. If you're asking the question, why do I exist? I, I want to tell you a little bit more about that today. When I think about the gospel, which is the good news of what Jesus did, I think of it as a rescue. It, it was a rescue. It was a rescue mission. And I'd like to tell you a story from a man named Wesley Autry. It's a, a true story story from about 15 years ago or so, and you can actually Google it later. Um, don't do it now. I know all my Gen Z millennial people are like already Googling it. Wesley Autry, the Subway Superman. And um, there's a story of this man. He was a New York City construction worker and a U.S. Navy veteran. By the way, do we have any veterans in the room? Anybody serve in the military? Can't tell. Hey, come on. Can we give it up for our veterans? That's awesome. Hey, thank you. Thank you guys so much. For real. We, we honor your sacrifice, and thank you for defending our country. It means so much to us. But he was a U.S. Navy veteran and a New York City construction worker. And one day he was out and about with his two little girls. And so he's walking his little girls. And they had just left grandma's house. And he's getting ready to go onto a job. And so he's ready to go drop them off with their mom while he goes to work. And so they got ready to go to the subway like they'd always done. And so they go onto the subway system on 137th Street hand in hand. Just like they had done dozens and dozens if not you know, hundreds of times before. They stood there. They paid for their tickets, crossed through the push bars, and they, you know, just stood in that, that hallway where the subways kind of race back and forth. So he's standing there holding his daughter's hands and, you know, just having a good time. They're joking and laughing. And all of a sudden, there's a man who's up by one of those pillars. He's leaned up against it, and he starts to have a seizure. And as he starts to seize, he actually falls down a number of feet into this nasty subway track. And he's stuck in between the tracks, seizing. And these people are freaking out. Like, people are going, oh, my gosh, what do we do? Like, everyone's worried about him. And then you hear the sound of the subway coming. You hear it coming down. And so people are like, what do we do? And so this man, Wesley Autry, saying no one's doing anything. And he's looking at his little girls. And he, and he looks at this man. And he looks back at his daughters. And, he's, and he has a decision to make. And he looks down. He bends down. He goes, baby, daddy loves you so much. You know I love you, right? You know, you know I love you. You're gonna, I need you to do something for me. I need you guys to stay together. I need you to stay right here. Daddy's going to be right back. Stay right here. And Wesley Autry jumps down into the train tracks. And this train is still coming. He's picking up. Come on, man. Get up. This guy's still seizing on the ground. He's like, come on, man. Like, he's too heavy. He can't lift him. And so he's grabbing and pulling him up, trying to drag him. But he can't. He can't get him out of there. And the train's coming. He's like, come on, man. Get up. And he has a decision to make. He looks back at his little girls. And he looks at this man. He's got him by his, by his like, belly. And he looks and he says, hey, girls, stay right there. Daddy's going to come back. And he wraps up this dude. He pulls this man in a bear hug. And he pushes him down between the tracks. And here comes this train whirling over their heads, over the top. 
just coming across the top. And he's holding him. He's saying, hey, man, stop. Like this man starts to kind of come out of his seizure. And he's trying to like push it. He's like, man, stop fighting me. Stop flailing. Stop kicking around. Like I'm here, I'm here to save you. I know you don't know me, but I'm here to save you. Please don't fight me. Please don't push me away. And he's centimeters as this train whirls over his head. And finally the train passes. And they were able to stand up completely unharmed with nothing but an oil stain on his cap from how close the train had been. Wesley Autry saw a man that was afflicted that could not save himself. So he risked his own life to save him. And he jumped in the tracks. Can I tell you something, friends? That is exactly what Jesus did for you. When the train of death and sin was headed your way, because Romans 3.23 says we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We've all messed up. The, the penalty of sin is death. This train of death is headed our way. And Jesus jumped on the tracks, wrapped us up, covered in his arms, pushed us down and kept us safe and saved us from death, saved us from destruction, saved us from eternity, separated from God. And he offers forgiveness and he offers healing and he offers a rescue to you. And so you may be sitting here in church today like, I don't understand this. What is my purpose? Your purpose is to know him. He loves you. He loves you enough that he sent his only son to die on a cross, a brutal death as an innocent sacrifice. He took our place. He, he paid the penalty of death so that we could receive the gift of God, which is eternal life through his son, Christ Jesus. That's Romans 6. And the Bible's very clear in Romans 10 that if we confess with our mouths and we believe in our heart that Jesus did what he said he did, that he really did, die in our place for the forgiveness of our sins that he was buried in the ground for three days but he didn't stay there he rose on the third day victorious over hell and over sin and over the grave and now he's ascended and seated at the right hand of God with all honor power and authority forever and now he offers to you and I this opportunity to accept this free gift to accept his mercy and his grace not by our works we don't have to earn it it's a free gift that he offers to us 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has passed away. All has been made new. That means all. Your old life, your mistakes, your shortcomings, all of that. And listen, you don't have to clean yourself up to come to Jesus. It's not like, man, well, once I get off these drugs, and once I can quit drinking, and once I can quit, then I'm going to come to Jesus. No, no, come as you are. Come broken. Come addicted. Come struggling. If you're in the room today and you are struggling even right now, you can come as you are. You don't have to clean yourself up to come to Jesus. He's the one that cleans us up. He's the one that heals us. It's the same thing. That man that was struggling and fighting, that Jesus is wrapping you up in the same way, saying, hey, quit flailing. Quit struggling. Quit trying to save yourself. You can't do it on your own. But he can. And he offers to you today the option, the choice to put your faith in Jesus put your faith in a relationship with him, to be made right with God. And so what I want to do, I want to pray with you, and I just want the opportunity to know who I'm praying for. So I'm going to ask if you would, with every head bowed and every eye closed all across the room, I just would like to know who I'm praying for. If that's you, you know you're not right with God, but you want to be, you want your, your, your sin forgiven, your past erased, you want to uh, uh, chart a new course. 
If that's you and you want to put your faith in Jesus, something's happening in your heart and you don't know what it is, I want to tell you it's the Holy Spirit that's preparing you. And I want you to know that you are not here for no reason. There is purpose in you being in this building, being in this seat, hearing these words. The Holy Spirit is here. And if you want a relationship with Jesus today and you want to follow him, you don't have to do it on your own. We're going to walk with you. We're going to help you. But if that's you, on the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand so I know I'm praying for. One, two, three. If that's you, that's awesome. In the back, in the front, in the middle. So good. Anybody else? I don't want to miss anybody. I don't want to miss this opportunity. Awesome. Hey, let's pray this prayer. As a, here at Oasis City, we pray things together. This is something that's important to us. We want to pray this prayer with you. There's nothing special or magical about this prayer. It's simply a heart declaration saying, I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I'm putting my faith in what he did for me. Just pray this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you would take my life and do with it whatever you want to do. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I repent. I turn away and I turn towards you. I ask that you would help me follow you, love you, serve you every day of my life. God, give me grace. Give me your mercy and surround me with your presence every day from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we celebrate that as a church family? Would you stand to your feet with me? If you raised your hand, I want you to know, if you've come here for a while, you've heard me say this, but if this is your first time or if you raise your hand, it's so much more than raising your hand. It's raising your hand every day. Every morning when you get up saying, I'm gonna follow Jesus again today. I'm gonna choose to surrender my life again today. I'm gonna choose to follow after him. I'm gonna choose to lay down my own desires. I'm gonna choose to follow God every day. And we wanna walk with you. We wanna encourage you, we wanna equip you. That is the greatest decision. Come on church, that is the greatest decision you could ever make with your life. Connect with our Next Steps team. We'd love to walk with you. We'll give you a Bible. We'll get you anything you need. We're here to serve you, to care for you, to care for your family, to care for your kids. We're here to walk with you, to help you find a spouse, whatever it is, wherever you're at, whatever season of life you're in, we're here for you. I'm gonna pray for you, church, and then we're gonna worship. God, I pray for this church right now. I pray that you would empower them. God, I pray that every leader in this room, everyone sitting in these seats, God, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would encourage them, equip them, and empower them to live lives fully devoted to following Jesus. God, I pray you would make this church an oasis, that you would make this place an oasis for the wanderers, for the hurting, for the broken, and for the weary in the city of Boise. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that you would burn the fire in their belly. God, I pray that they would be bold and courageous in their workplaces. They would not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God and the salvation. God, I pray for boldness in their speech, boldness in their actions. God, I pray they would live out this Sunday message, God, in their week. Help us to all follow you. Help us all to surrender. Help us all to choose you every single day. We collectively declare your worth, your goodness, and your glory. You are worthy of all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory, God. We love you, Prince of Priests, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, church, shout amen. Let's worship. Thanks again for listening to the Create Church podcast. We would love the opportunity to connect with you, pray for you, or give you next steps in your journey of following Jesus. Send us an email to info at createchurch.co to get connected today.